Welcome to the Horsewise Podcast with Lynn Reardon, where we share stories of horses and people and what they teach each other. On today's episode, I'll talk about those inevitable times when things go wrong with your horse and how you can use those times as opportunities to learn and grow as a horseman and a rider. I hope you enjoy the show and have a wonderful day. On today's episode, I'd like to talk to you about those times, those inevitable times, when things don't go smoothly with your horse, and how they are such an opportunity for personal growth, which I know sounds like something kind of nauseatingly Hallmark card in Disney, but it's actually true in a super practical way. And uh, I learned this lesson many years ago when I was riding in a clinic with a really good teacher. And the horse I was riding was a bit uh, was a bit nervous, to say the least. We were kind of careening around the arena, attempting to do short serpentines, but mostly just kind of ricocheting off the walls. He wouldn't stand still. He had trouble just kind of going at a steady rhythm of any kind. And I was trying to listen to the teacher who was you know, starting the clinic with some great stories. And all I could do was kind of, as I said, sort of spin by, periodically catch two or three of his words. And finally, at one point, he looked over at me and he said, you know, that horse is a gift to you. And if you're patient and learn what he's trying to teach you, you will be so grateful to have had this horse in your life. And it took me a few spins around the arena before I heard the whole sentence because I was catching like one word at a time as we whirled by him. But I remember thinking at the moment, how is this a gift? You know, it just seems kind of embarrassing and frustrating. And I can't even really, as I said, stand still and listen to the teacher. But he turned out to be right about that. That horse not only taught me a lot, but became my best teacher and to a large degree, my best friend. And I never forgot how that teacher said that to me. He didn't say it in sort of a automatic tone. He said it with real sincerity in his voice, almost as if he was a little bit envious of me for having such a great gift right there in the clinic. So I kind of filed that away and remembered it every time I had a horror situation come up where I felt maybe a little over my head or I wasn't certain what to do for the horse. And there were many, many times like that. As you all know, who've been listening to my podcast, I've spent a lot of time learning from the horses, a lot of times learning things that I really didn't even ever want to learn, but kind of had to anyway. So I wanted to share sort of some of my conclusions about this concept of when things go wrong, it can really be a gift. First of all, Most of the time when something goes wrong with your horse, let's say a behavioral issue comes up, most all the time it reveals a gap in our knowledge. That's not to say that necessarily you created it or it's a judgment on your skills that your horse is having a behavioral issue. But the reason you perceive it as something more or less going wrong is because it isn't something that you've dealt with a lot, right? So if your horse is normally kind of steady on the trails and all of a sudden starts spooking at leaves, he's never done that before. You don't tend to like horses that spook at leaves. So that's not something that you've dealt with a lot. Then it's a real opportunity to fill a gap in knowledge about how to help horses that are having problems with trees and leaves for whatever reason out of the blue. As we know, nothing really happens truly out of the blue. 
unless of course you do have that random case of the zombie apocalypse or a giant pterodactyl swooping down from the sky but truly most of the time things don't happen all of a sudden they've been building up slowly and it's an opportunity to go and understand that and then figure out what exactly is happening and then coming to a conclusion about things to try things to experiment to help your horse all of this then helps you gain more knowledge it's kind of like uh, how I was with car repair. So I'm not very mechanical, no shock to anyone who knows me well. And, um, but I did learn a lot about certain types of car repairs because every time something went wrong, let's say an alternator went out, for example, I had to deal with it, understand it, get the diagnosis from the mechanic, pay for it. That's always a, a great way to learn things is to pay for things. And then I became pretty proficient in understanding the symptoms of an alternator that's failing. So it's the same kind of thing here. That can happen quite a bit and it's useful for you. Another element that it can reveal is, or help you with, is help you develop analytical skills, right? In the, in the idea of solving this problem, this thing that has come up that you don't know, it will help you kind of calm your emotions down and see it again from that CSI mindset that I talk about a lot, where you really learn to kind of step back and go, hey, what is actually happening? Again, not how do I feel about what I think is happening, but what is actually happening? What am I observing with my horse? What is the pattern? Why is this going wrong? Where does my horse get nervous or where does he start to exhibit this behavior? What is the pattern? That in and of itself is a very useful trait to develop and it helps you with all kinds of future things, not only to do with horses, but in your work life and your home life. So that's an opportunity and a gift as well. It also can reveal to you certain insights about yourself that again, maybe you didn't want to know those insights, but they're going to come up. So for example, let's say you have a horse who, who starts balking in the show pen. Normally, performs very well in whatever your discipline is, but for some reason now warms up well. And then when you first go into the actual arena to begin your pattern or to begin your test or to begin your jumping course, the horse balks, starts to refuse. It suddenly becomes like a, a hose with a sticky connection, right? Little spurts of activity and then halting. And you find yourself reacting to that with huge frustration. Like you get, you're upset with your horse. Your horse is being bad. Like he's messing up your great show performance. It's not part of the contract. Well, right there in that moment is an opportunity to look at yourself and go, hey, why am I so frustrated? Unless again, you're going for the Olympics or whatever, no matter how serious a show competitor, at the end of the day, it's just a show. It's just a ribbon or, I mean, maybe if you run barrels, it's a check, but it's not a huge check. It's not like you're going to retire on whatever you win that day, right? So why are you so frustrated and upset? Why aren't you more curious? And the fact that you respond so quickly with frustration and maybe even anger, is that a factor in why your horse is balking to begin with? It's kind of something to look at. And I've noticed sometimes that people whose horses start balking suddenly in the show pen are usually people who felt like they've personally been pushed too hard to work at something they're not interested in. It could be that they have a boss they don't like. It could be that they've suddenly had to double their school workload, or they have a spouse or a parent who's really pushing them for high achievement in an area they don't want to achieve in. And so on some level, they're balking internally. 
and they're frustrated about performance themselves. This is all under the surface, right? And then, quote, all of a sudden, their horse starts to have those issues too. Now, I'm not saying if your horse starts to balk in the show ring that that means there's something wrong with your life. I'm just saying if you have a really strong emotional response to that, like you get really upset, angry, frustrated, it might be something worth looking at to see how is that horse's behavior maybe reflecting things in your own life. Maybe there are things that you want to be balking at. Maybe there are things that you're frustrated with. And so kind of look at that. And at the very least, it'll give you some compassion and a, a little bit more of a sympathy for your horse, which then allows you again to develop good analytical skills. It's very hard to accurately assess what's happening if you're in a high state of emotion. You know, being, being very angry, being very frustrated, being very embarrassed. These are not good states of mind in which to do calculus or any kind of upper level mental activity. So that's also something to keep in mind. Another fascinating component that I have seen in my life with the concept of when things go wrong with horses is that they often tend to happen in patterns. And when that happens, to me, it's usually meant that there's some lesson that I'm just not quite learning or I'm trying to avoid learning. So uh, several years ago, this is probably like 12, 14 years ago, I had a horse that was really pushy on the ground. He'd come to the racehorse adoption program. I was running full time then. And he just, I mean, he barreled right through me one time. He didn't knock me down, but I kind of had to jump out of the way. I was leading an elderly broodmare who'd kind of been there, seen it all. She and I were walking across the pasture together and this gelding came galloping up to us. And I was like, I don't think he's going to stop. And I kind of looked at the older mare and she kind of looked at me and we both simultaneously just sort of jumped in the opposite directions. And he did, he barreled right through us. So at the back of my mind from that point on, I started to be a little nervous about horses on the ground. And I, I hadn't ever been, but it's just, it was that one incident that made me go, whoa, sometimes, sometimes things can get a little crazy. Well, wouldn't you know it, for the next like six, seven months, almost every new horse I encountered was pushy on the ground, every single one. And it wasn't simply that I created that. This isn't some new age, like, oh, I kind of put that out into the universe and it came back to me. I kind of interpreted it as, hey, I need to get over this. Like I need to address it. I need to deal with it properly in myself. Not all horses are out to get me, but until I kind of regain my confidence, I'm going to keep encountering horses that are pushy. Certainly any horse that's a little bit of a tendency to be pushy will be pushier if someone's worried that they will be. So it's kind of that thing, like if you, if you're afraid of something and you spend all of your life trying to avoid it or protect against it, that is the thing that will always kind of keep crossing your path. So that's also something like don't resist whatever the lesson is. Try to really kind of go, all right, no, I didn't really want to learn about how to deal with horses that bite, but I have a horse here. He's starting to bite. I would like to learn how to address it properly rather than kind of just avoiding it altogether. Because avoiding a problem only makes it kind of grow and it doesn't really get to the core issue. So, so that's another kind of interesting pattern that I've noticed. And, and that happens not just with horses too, right? It happens in life. If there's something again that we need to learn about relationships or about philosophy or about how to make good life decisions, if we keep evading or trying to sidestep, opportunities to learn that, 
they keep coming more and more in our path. They just keep happening. So try to embrace the idea of, hey, there might be something here for me to learn. And what is that lesson exactly? A lot of times when something isn't ideal with our horse, again, kind of behaviorally, or even like rehab, let's say you have a situation where you've had horses two or three in a row have rehab issues completely unrelated, just sort of seemingly random coincidences. It's like, oh, why does this always happen to me? Like you could extrapolate that and say, no horse is sound, or every time you buy a horse, someone's going to lie to you. You could kind of go down that route, or you could just kind of go, uh-oh, I guess I'm going to need to learn about rehabbing. Like this is interesting. It's not what I planned, but this is what's here before me. How can I make the most of this opportunity? How can I learn what I need to learn and then move forward? But because you are getting many rehab horses in a row, isn't some kind of a judgment on your decisions or your life, unless you're constantly picking horses like with straight stifles or who are lame when you go to see them before you buy them. That's, that's just poor kind of decision-making. But I'm talking about something that is like you just coincidentally keep running across this issue. Maybe you've been trying to get the perfect jumping prospect for a few years and you, you find some beautiful horses, you get the proper pre-purchase exams, you purchase them from a reputable person. And then a year later they get one of them, you know, gets injured and just randomly in the pasture or another one develops some kind of a kissing spine syndrome that could have never been detected at the time that you purchase them. You can, you can look at that again. It's like, this is a judgment on me. I shouldn't, God is saying I shouldn't have a jumping horse. That's one way to look at it. Or the universe is saying that I need to take up dressage. None of that's really true. It just means that, you know, you're going to have to kind of develop some different skills and, and at the very least learn how to take mishaps in stride, not to take them so personally how to be a little more emotionally balanced when things kind of come up. This is true in life, right? You can be going along, not doing anything wrong, and something comes up. You know, a family member gets ill. There's uh, a sudden drop in your property's value for no, no fault of your own. There's a wild swing in the stock market and your retirement savings are way down. These are things that just happen in life sometimes. There's nothing that you've done wrong. doesn't mean that you should change your entire life trajectory and move to Peru. It just means that these things happen sometimes. So the same is true with that kind of scenario with your horses. So when things go wrong or unexpected problems come up, it genuinely is almost always an opportunity either to gain more practical skills and something that you haven't had good knowledge of, or to gain some emotional perspective and a better understanding of how to come to the right conclusion or make the right decision based on the information before you. Now, you all know that I love to always give examples from my own life, lest you think that I am some perfect paragon of never ever like making mistakes or having unusual things go wrong with horses. So the horse I'd like to talk about is a little bay horse that I adopted. It was several years ago now, but I adopted him to be a dressage prospect. He was an off the track thoroughbred, super cool little horse, very good mover, excellent mover lots of suspension, not a, not a flashy horse, just kind of a dark bay horse with a little kind of star with a dripping blaze, but nothing, nothing flashy. And if you looked at him, you'd think he was maybe like a polo pony or something, not super tall. 
but again, super talented. And I was excited. I wanted to develop him as a dressage horse. He was going to be the horse that helped me gain knowledge and also that I hoped one day to compete. Well, from the start, there were lots of odd things that kind of kept happening. Uh, First of all, uh, during the first year that I had him, I got ill with a virus. Nothing nothing like crazy like coronavirus, but it did kind of create some problems. It attacked my joints. So I had a few months where I was sort of stiff and weak, and I had a little trouble with riding. So he kind of got put on the back burner. And then once I was back to normal, which happily was fairly soon, I went back and started riding him. Well, we would constantly hit like these little roadblocks or plateaus. He had kind of a flamboyant personality, which often, as we know, high performance horses do. He was kind of a frat boy and he was very dazzling and how he could be kind of machismo in his way, but also very sweet and sensitive. I thought of him as kind of a tango dancer. That was, that was sort of his persona. He's very flamboyant and he's, he's got all of the kind of masculine, I'm, I'm this big kind of macho guy, but then I'm a beautiful dancer and, but I'm also really sensitive and don't hurt my feelings. So that was kind of fun. It was challenging sometimes to work with, but it was fun too when he was, when, when he was performing well. But he would have kind of on again, off again, stiffness. He would get really stiff because he would like to play with his buddies in the pasture. And we'd kind of have to give him a rest for a few days, then bring him back. And he would be, you know, kind of spicy because that's his, you know, tango dancer. He would be spicy. We kind of work through the spiciness, start to build some fitness. He'd be going great. And then something else would happen. You know, maybe again, he would come out from the pasture. He'd be a little, he'd have a little swelling in one leg or usually a hind leg or he would be acting somewhat more flamboyantly than usual, which could happen periodically, and he'd pull a shoe. You know, all of these things kept coming up. And and then behaviorally, he would sort of be a little uneven. Sometimes he would just be flamboyant tango dancer. Sometimes he would veer over into obnoxious frat boy. So I had to always be a little bit on my toes and make sure that I was setting good boundaries while also still encouraging him to be the high performer that he wanted to be and give him the mental stimulation that he needed. Again, which was sometimes a challenge because it seemed like we were always having these intermittent on again, off again, physical issues. Finally, he was diagnosed with having mildly locking stifles on both hind legs. It's very unusual, very subtle. And part of the suspension in his movement was actually due to these stifles very mildly sort of hitching and kind of holding him in place for a split second longer in the gate. So we had a fenestration procedure done, which I'll explain in the show notes. It's a very simple procedure where essentially you introduce some inflammation into the joint so that the scar tissue will form enough to tighten the joint. It's very simple. It's very non-invasive. It's very inexpensive too. So we did that procedure And normally it's a few weeks rest and then back to mild work and slowly rebuilding strength. Well, this horse had an unusual response to it. He had a lot of post-procedure inflammation. He was really weak. He would almost like look like he was staggering at times. And, And then he would get better if we left him alone. But then he would get bored because he wasn't being ridden. So then he would kind of go frat boy. So it was like, it was just this constant juggling act. Finally, after, you know, several months, he, he was much better and we started riding him again, or I started riding him. And, uh, I say we, like I have like three people with me who ride him, but it was just me riding him. And again, we get into that pattern where he would 
be great for a few days and then something would happen. It didn't seem to be related to the procedure. So I finally decided to go, hey, I'm going to stick to a 60-day riding schedule and I'm going to take notes on each ride and I'm just going to be really consistent, even if it's a short ride. Like even if it's just 10 or 15 minutes, I'm going to ride him all during like this very regular cycle. It was like five, six times a week. Take notes. I also during this time had been consulting with the veterinarian and she was puzzled too. Like it was just sort of this odd, like he was quite, it was almost like something was under the surface, which is indeed what the case was as we came to discover later. But after these 60 days, he came up really lame, like super, super weak. And uh, we did sort of a a test where I had him on Equiox and did some riding and then not, and it kept happening after a certain amount of weeks of steady riding, no matter how mild, even it was just at the walk, he would not build strength. He would not build muscle. He would instead get weaker. So we did another round of testing and now this was more obvious, right? At this point, something had come up that was a more clear cut pattern We did some testing and it turned out that he had two things going on. He had EPM, it was mild case, but it was clear, clearly diagnosable. And second, it appeared as though as we did more and more flexion tests at the vet, that he had some kind of inherent anomaly in the mechanics of his hind end that had progressed, that had slowly gotten worse, that had nothing to do with the locking stifles or the fenestration procedure. So at this point, it had been, I think almost like, two and a half years of on again, off again stuff with the most intense kind of veterinary supervision and the, you know, the rides and the testing and the diagnostics for about eight months. And we finally had an answer. And the answer was that he needed to be retired, that this was a horse that could not be ridden steadily because these things would come up with the mechanical issue. And then the EPM was exacerbating it all. It was a very complex case. It was all of these kind of smaller things that came together in an unusual way and finally got to a point where it made the diagnostics clear. It was a very complex case to the veterinarian. She actually really enjoyed it because she got a lot of knowledge out of it. Veterinarians like unusual cases, you know, it it kind of brings out their own CSI detective mind. And I found him a great home. This horse loved to be outside. He loved to turn out. And I found him a great home with a former buddy of his on a beautiful ranch in the hill country. And his job is to be eye candy for the family and to look gorgeous and be out on a ranch with his friends and just be happy and wild. Now, Pretty much at almost every given stage of this process, I was frustrated. I was feeling like I was doing something wrong. I wasn't working him hard enough, or I was working him too hard, or I was paying too much attention to his temperament when I needed to pay attention to his physical nature, or vice versa. I was paying too much to the physical side of thing when I really needed to take into account his temperament. Every kind of, every kind of sort of insult I could lay at my own head, I did. But I persisted because I was like, this is something that if I apply just sort of a steady approach to, if I follow a horsemanship log, if I follow a riding schedule, if I work at it long enough and steadily enough, a pattern will become clear. And it did. It did become clear. And what it helped me work on was my own tendency to maybe avoid a, a constant routine. I do tend to like a lot of variety in my riding. And what this horse taught me was to really slow down, be consistent, and neutrally examine the response. 
So that was a great lesson I learned. And at the end of the day, you could say, hey, lots of things went wrong. But what a gift it was to me to learn all of these things and to help this horse finally get the retirement that he really needed. I also learned so much about rehab analysis and about these kind of subtle layering symptoms that it has helped me with every single rehab horse that I've encountered since then. So I hope you've enjoyed this episode and that it's given you some hope if you are encountering some kind of problems or situations that are going wrong with your horse, that there actually can be a good outcome and great lessons to learn. And if you feel like you might need some help with something like that, go ahead and drop me an email, horsewisecoach at iCloud.com. Let me know what you're experiencing, and I'd be glad to give you some tips. Thank you for listening, and as always, I hope you have a wonderful day.